The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. There's a line I use frequently when I am on TV, especially the home shopping channels where I, gosh, I think I've done well over 100 shows by now and selling different fitness equipment, different things like that. But it also comes up in many other aspects of my life and my job where I say, now I exercise primarily for my sanity more than for vanity. And that's true. At 53, I am much more focused on how I feel. And that goes for feeling good and being injury-free. Don't get me wrong. I still care how I look, and that is an added benefit, but it's not the primary one, as it is for so many people, especially when we are younger. But that's the amazing aspect of exercise in that it doesn't matter what your main goal is to look better, feel better, live longer, you get the other two. So if your goal is to look better, That's your primary goal. You're going to feel better and you're going to live longer. If your goal is to live longer, you're going to feel better and look better. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you start. But now I exercise primarily, at least in the moment, because of how it makes me feel. That's immediate. When you find exercise that you like, not that you don't like, not that's a punishment, not when you exercise to punish yourself for eating something, which whole nother show, and it's not the way to do it, and you shouldn't do that, and the math doesn't even add up, but it's instantaneous. 
when I go for a run, when I get on a bike, when I choose my form of cardio. And what I've learned over the years is it is a huge coping mechanism for me. So something happens that potentially could raise my heart rate. As I said, I live my life as if I have a heart rate monitor on 24-7. And my goal is to not let anything raise that heart rate like someone cutting me off in traffic, someone being rude on an airplane like happened recently. It's my choice how to react to that, right? And so for me, exercise now is an amazing tool to feel good in the moment. And the Grand Canyon, the second Grand Canyon run I just did, that was an entire day of bliss until the end. (laughs) If you haven't heard that episode yet, I just released that one, my second Grand Canyon run. My first one is still, they're they're all good. They're like kids. You love them all (laughs) just differently. Those events, those experiences. But yeah, I choose that suffering because before that suffering, the final couple hours was eight hours of just heaven beyond. And so that's what today's podcast is about. It's a recent study on exercise and depression. And it's amazing. And it's not new. In other words, there's so many studies. This is a meta-analysis. So it looked back at many other studies into exercise and depression. But here's where I'm getting to in my life as well. You know, I consult for a specific fitness company, home exercise equipment. And what I would love for them to do, you know, part of my job is thought leadership, giving them ideas, talking about studies like this, is to get away from the commercials that just focus on weight loss. What if there was a commercial that showed this? Harder to do, but can totally be done. In other words, focused on how good exercise makes you feel. Focused on the cognitive benefits, the mental benefits, above the physical. How amazing would that be? And I'm pushing them and pushing them and pushing them to do that. And the company that does that first and best, there's some companies that touch on it, touch on it. But this is one of the major problems with fitness and exercise and the goals that most people have and the expectations that most people have short term. I'm going to finish with a commercial and a topic that I did a podcast on that was a little controversial for people. And I have to do more of those because it's so important. All right. So exercise and depression, minutes matter. An amazing new study, meta-analysis, looked back at a handful of studies on depression and exercise. And once again, when this podcast is over, you should be so excited because it is validating so much of what I talk about, minutes mattering, and how powerful movement and exercise is. All right, quick break. We will be right back. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. 
Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, when I talk about minutes mattering, when I talk about the micro-workout plan, doing micro-workouts throughout the day, I do them myself. Everything I talk to you about, I do myself. My new added micro-workout is 100 you know, my 100 ab exercise routine I've talked about and did a fit tip about. I do it before recording every podcast now. 25, 25, 25, 25. Mix up the types. But my point is I do them. <laughs> this works. I'm 53. You know, I talk about my events and I do the events to show you it can be done. To show you that I walk the walk. And I wasn't injury-free when I was a kid. I couldn't run. My entire childhood, I had shin splints and ankle issues. Sat on the bench, soccer. We won the state championships in fifth grade, mostly on the bench. Got a couple minutes, but I was in pain. And back then, they knew nothing. That diagnosed Osgood Schlatter's, all these different things now that they have some idea, but much better idea, figuring out and diagnosing things. No. And so to think 
that I had the ultimate, not one, but many excuses to never run again. How sad. And so my point is, I do it and it all works. Just got to give it time. All right. So let's talk about depression, right? I'm someone, as most are, (laughs) who have experienced this. Uh, Someday I will talk much more in depth about my issues, but focusing on the positive now. But suffice it to say, I have some experience, a lot of experience. And I'm going to read right from this study. By the way, the study, Association Between Physical Activity and Risk of Depression. Pretty straightforward. Not as crazily worded as many of the studies I've brought to you in the past. A systematic review and meta-analysis. Again, meta-analysis and systematic review means that they are not conducting research. They are looking back at past research. Okay? Depression is the leading cause of mental health-related disease burden and a major cause of disability worldwide, affecting approximately 280 million people. I mean, insane, and I would argue probably much higher, and accounting for more than 47 million disability-adjusted life years in 2019. Depression is also associated with premature mortality from other illnesses and suicide. I would argue... That the thoughts we have in our head, the stress, the unchecked stress, this is one of the major benefits of exercise. You know, we can talk about the other myriad benefits, and I do and I will continue to, because there are so many. But the stress reduction that we get from exercise prevents so many other issues, not just depression. Don't hear that enough. Don't see it in marketing. It's all about weight loss. It's all about how you look. I don't do any cardio, and look how skinny I am. I'm going to get back to that. It started to get worked up. Uh, This was published online April 13th, 2022. Just came out. uh, JAMA Psychiatry. And I'm going to read you their, what made this study different, right? This meta-analysis. And I quote, they say, no study has yet synthesized the evidence to describe the strength or shape of the association by conducting a dose-response meta-analysis using harmonized exposure estimate. Now now we got the word salad, right? What they're basically saying here is they're looking at the the dose-response, like how much, right? How much you need. And then they're going to talk about kind of the, the shape of the association, right? It'll make more sense in a second. All right, here's the abstract. God, I, I love... I love these studies and I love bringing them to you. The importance, depression is leading cause of mental health-related disease burden and may be reduced by physical activity, but the dose-response relationship between activity and depression is uncertain. This is one thing, I get it, and I complain about this frequently when doing reviews of studies, talking about studies. It's always like, how much? Like, what's the minimum exercise you can do and get benefit? I get it, people. In all my years now of doing this, if you want the least amount, you haven't found what you love. Wow. I never quite said it like that. But it's true. If you're looking for the least amount, you're not doing it right. Because if you told me, Tom, you can only exercise 10 minutes a day once, I would be stressed. I'd be really stressed because it doesn't allow me to feel good. And get all the benefits. There's four major benefits. It's such a good study. One of the first ones that really 
just pulled out these four things in this way, and I'll get to that in a second. I'm always getting ahead of myself. If you want the minimum dose, you're not doing it right. You haven't found your exercise. If you want the minimum amount of food that you that is healthy, you haven't found the healthy food. Right? That's the beauty of healthy food, by the way. Always going off on tangents. But like when you find, like I have the fruits and vegetables and lean sources of protein and healthy fats that I love, not depriving myself. And you can eat a heck of a lot of vegetables and a heck of a lot of eggs because you enjoy it. And they're low calorie, many of them. And they make you feel good and you don't overeat. You're not super hungry. See, totally off on a tangent. All right, let's get back. So the objective of this study to systematically review and meta-analyze the dose-response association between physical activity and incident depression from published prospective studies of adults. Again, looking at studies into depression. Now, this is really what starts to separate this study and make it a really good one, in my opinion. Okay, they included prospective cohort studies reporting physical activity at three or more exposure levels. Doesn't really matter for you. You don't have to understand that. And risk estimates for depression with 3,000 or more adults. So sample size had to be more than 3,000, 3,000 or more. That's a really good size, right? And that starts to weed out potential issues with the findings and the associations, okay? And not only 3,000 or more in the study, but three years or longer of follow-up. So now they're trying to control for pre-existing depression, Right. So that's a good thing when you have that length of time and you have that big a sample size. Okay. Here's the specifics. So they narrowed it down and included just 15 studies that fit this criteria. Okay. Almost 200,000 participants, 191,130 participants, and two, uh, just over 2 million person years were included. Approximately 64% of the participants in the studies were women. All but one included studies that originated in high-income countries. So that could be a potential issue. Like, does this, uh, you know, is the association for, you know, the less affluent countries as well and people? And then the specifics with where six were from the United States, six from Europe, one from Australia, one from Japan, and one study that included data from India, Ghana, Mexico, and Russia. And again, this study reports the first dose-response meta-analysis of associations between physical activity and incident depression to the researchers' knowledge. What are the findings? Relative to adults not reporting any activity, those accumulating half the recommended volume activity, which is 4.4 hours per week, they had 18% lower risk of depression. So for those who did nothing, again, self-reports, those who accumulated half, what I would argue is a pretty low volume of physical activity, almost 20% lower risk of depression. Adults who accumulated the recommended volume of 8.8 hours per week had 25% lower risk. 18%, 25%. And they throw in the met hours per week and things like that. Just know it's it's... A handful of hours. It's not a lot. And I'm going to get back to that too, because that is such an important takeaway of this as well. Okay. And here's what's confusing. And I'm going to always put in everything, right? 
there were diminishing additional potential benefits and greater uncertainty at higher volumes of physical activity. So what they found was this was that the strength or shape of the association. So what they're saying is after you got above the recommended, the benefits were diminishing. So they, they started to drop off. Now, there's a reason for that. Just hold on to that thought, okay? What you need to know is you don't have to do a lot. 18%, 25%, couple hours per week, low intensity, low to moderate intensity. Exercise, okay? This is in red in my notes because this is so important. Based on an estimate of exposure prevalences among included cohorts, if less active adults had achieved the current physical activity recommendations, 11.5% of depression cases could have been prevented. That's amazing. That's an amazing finding. If those people who were doing basically nothing got to the couple hours per week, low to moderate activity, more than 10% of depression cases could have been prevented. Not with drugs, not with therapy, but especially not pharmaceutical interventions, which are expensive and have side effects. No drugs. This is free. A lot of the movement was walking. And you are in control of the dose, people. And this is why I talk about micro-workouts. You sure, you can go for an hour, two-hour walk in the morning, do an hour, two hours of whatever type of cardiovascular exercise. You can do... 30 minutes on the butt, whatever your cardio is, you can do that. But you can and should also break it up and do 10 minutes in the morning and a 20-minute walk after lunch and maybe a 45-minute walk with your dog in the evening. And what I love about the findings is it's going to bring in a bunch of the studies and effects that I've talked about on other podcasts. All right? 11.5% of depression could have been prevented. You know, this is where the, I'm not one of those people who screams from the rooftops about, you know, medicine being reactive, but it is. It's much more lucrative to sell a drug than, is what I'm trying to say, than it is to sell activity. That's true. And if 10%, over 10% of people could have avoided it completely just by doing the minimum or the recommended, so the minimum. Amount of exercise, amazing. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, because of the limitations of the higher uh, activity levels, that number would be higher. I, without fail, believe that 100% based on everything I have studied and learned and experienced and, and know. All right? Let's take a quick break. and we come back, going to bring it all home. All right? Going to talk about the Why? Why? Four awesome reasons, and again, tie into, if I do say so myself, a bunch of the podcasts I've already done. A lot of it's common sense, but a lot of it, uh, some of the causes, you go, okay. And this is why I repeat over and over, because you're going to start to go, oh, maybe I didn't believe that the first time I heard Tom talk about it. Maybe it took three times. Now, oh, now I'm starting to connect the dots. Now it's starting to make sense, because it doesn't always make sense. If it did... All this information we give out to people, they believe it right away. All right, quick break. We'll be right back.
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back talking about one of my favorite topics, just the psychological aspect of exercise. There's so much to it. Performance, Alzheimer's, memory, happiness. Why? Are those benefits not highlighted more? Why are they not in commercials? Why are they not in advertising? You can't show it. You can't show it the way you show a skinny person. You can't show it the way you can manipulate images on Instagram. And you can't just have it genetically, as so many people in this industry do. Listen, I I was a fitness model with Wilhelmina for years. I saw it. I saw some really unhealthy skinny people and really unhappy skinny people. It's not about being skinny. It's about being healthy and it's about being happy. 
And you can't tell either of those things from a picture, from a body type. All right, let's get back into this because it's so good. Reading from the study once again, the greatest differences in risk observed between low doses of physical activity, suggesting most benefits are realized when moving from no activity to at least some. Oh my gosh, this got me so excited when I read this. Let me read it again. Most benefits are realized when moving from no activity to at least some. Mm, Sounds familiar. Excessive moderation, right? So for those people who are on the couch, for those of you who are listening and like, you're just not even close to there yet. I get it. I've worked with you. I've worked with thousands of people like you over the years. And I loved it. I loved working with, I loved working with all clients and did back when I was a trainer and coach. Every type of age and fitness level and goals, you know, from kids up to, you know, 90 plus. But give me someone who's just starting. Give me someone who I know I'm going to make feel good right away with not a lot. Not by killing them. As I was literally told to do at one gym many years ago. For orientations. Kill them. Kill that first session. Make them crawl out. That's a good idea. And that was the head of the personal training department. Again, I go off on tangents, but for good reason, that's one of the problems with fitness and trainers and lack of education, understanding. Let me continue, though. Accumulating an activity volume equivalent to 2.5 hours of brisk walking per week was associated with 25% lower risk of depression. I mean, it takes my breath away. So people talk about how much do I have to walk to lose weight? I've contributed to those articles for 30 years. Over 30 years. And I get it. Again, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the weight. We need to be a healthy weight. But when you focus on the cognitive benefits that you feel immediately, that's how you make it a lifestyle change. When you find the activity that you enjoy, that feels good, and you don't do too much too soon, and you break it up, and you do the other things I'm going to outline shortly, that's when. You start to feel good. You start to do a little more. You start to eat a little better. And then the weight changes. But you focus on the psychological first. Plus, you have to go in believing what I'm telling you. Because then it becomes easier. Not only do you feel good, like your body and your mind, those hormones, serotonin, things like that. But if you truly believe you're doing great things for your body and your mind, it becomes exponentially easier. And then if you do that long enough and you see the body change, then you're, then you're done. You're hooked. Then you're me. And you can all be this. I promise. You're just not going to do it the same way I do. You might not run. Many of you won't. And that's fine. All right. Let me go on. I'm going to read it once again, though. Accumulating an activity volume equivalent to 2.5 hours of brisk walking per week was associated with 25% lower risk of depression. Beyond amazing. And at half that dose, the risk was 18% lower compared with no activity. Two and a half hours per week. Break that up. Are you doing five days? Are you doing three days? Are you doing seven days? And that's why I love looking at it as a seven-day plan. In other words, what's my goal by the end of the week? Two and a half hours. 
You go, you don't have to do the same amount every day unless you want to. So in other words, one day you can do 30 minutes. The next day you can do 45. Third day you can do five. If you prefer to have that, like every day I'm going to go out at, you know, whatever time, at lunchtime, after work, whatever, and I'm going to do 30 minutes, that, that's great. But you don't have to. And life gets in the way. And you can't and shouldn't beat yourself up when you go, oh, I had that 30-minute walk, couldn't do it. No, do more the next day. Or break it up, you know, over the next few days. And the final sentence here, again, a little confusing. Only minor additional benefits were observed at higher activity levels. I'll get back to that. This is the only other read passage in my notes because it is so important. And one of the most important takeaways of this podcast. Our findings, therefore, have important new implications for health practitioners making lifestyle recommendations, especially to inactive individuals who may perceive the current recommendation target as unrealistic. That's a word salad for people aren't doing it because they think they need to do more than they need to do. People aren't doing it because they don't think they're going to get the benefits from micro-workouts, from doing a little bit, a lot, not a lot, a little bit. Minutes matter. That's why I put it in the title. It's exactly what this is saying. And so for all those people, especially the people who are, listen, significantly overweight, aches and pains, and they go, what's the, what's the point? And they may have tried it in the past and not lost the weight, not achieved the goals that they've read or seen from sources that they shouldn't have been trusting. Those are the hardest people to get motivated. And when I think back to the handful of people who I've interviewed and met over the years who exemplify this, David Garcia, listen to that podcast if you want a real life example of what I just read. Someone who had well over 100 pounds to lose and did everything I'm describing here slowly over time. And he lost over 150 pounds, 140, 150, kept it off for over 10 years. But if you're on your couch and you're not feeling good about yourself and you're not feeling good physically, you go, I'm not 300 minutes a week, whatever, whatever the recommendation is. Or you look at these crazy workouts or you look at these images on Instagram, you go, I'm never going to be that. A, yes, you could. And B, maybe you don't want to. (laughs) And the image is not indicative of health or happiness. All right, so 10,000 steps. You don't have to do and shouldn't do 10,000 steps right out of the gate. That's a problem. Average American does like three to 4,000. So to jump up to 10,000 right away and to expect to do that every day, I don't always do that. When I'm traveling, like I just did, you know, uh, yes, I went to the Grand Canyon and ran across, so I made up the steps. But guess what? The day I traveled, I'm not sure I hit 10,000 steps because I got in a car and I drove to the airport. And then I went to the airport and I sat and I had breakfast. And then my running partner and I got on a plane. And we sat on that plane for six hours. And then we got off. And we went to the hotel. Oh, no. Sat in a car for three and a half hours. And got out, walked to the restaurant, had pasta, walked back to the hotel and went to bed. Did I care how many steps I got in that day? No. It's the cumulative effect over time. I don't want to do that every day, and I'm glad I don't have to. 
and I made up for it the next day. In sp- I think I hit 70,000 steps and uh, running partner ran a little farther. I think he had 100,000. But this is a problem with the recommendations. This is a problem with beat yesterday, 10,000 steps, kill yourself. No, just start moving more. That snowball effect is so powerful. All right, let's wrap this all up. So what's the why? This is what I love. Oh, and I'm so glad this study hit on these four things. So why? What, what are, what's the, what is the effect? What is the activity doing, the exercise to help decrease depression? Four things they pulled out. Improved physical self-perceptions and body image. Yeah. Feel better about yourself. You feel better about yourself. And I would argue that's also because you're doing something. You know, this is cognitive behavioral stuff. With depression, I'm the biggest proponent of cognitive behavioral therapy. Get out and do something. Start, get off the couch. Feel good about something, whether that's a hobby or working or exercise or all of the above. That's huge. So improve physical self-perceptions and body image. Yeah, you feel good because you're doing something. Full stop. Number two, more social interactions. Oh my gosh, have I talked about that in the past? How important that is? And if you're home feeling bad about yourself, you're on the couch, you're not moving a lot, you don't feel good. We are social creatures. The blue zones. Social interactions. Listen, this is, (laughs) you know, I know my weaknesses. It's getting in enough water. I don't sleep enough. And number three, I actually like to be alone more than I probably should. I ran the Grand Canyon by myself. (laughs) And I loved it. I purposely took a different route along the way so that I could avoid people because I wasn't there to be chatty. I was there to like have the most amazing solo experience in one of the most amazing places. But we need to have social interactions. So maybe you're walking with other people. Maybe you're walking outside and you're just around other people. Maybe you're going to the gym. The social interactions are important. They're part of the whole puzzle. And I love number three, the personal development of coping strategies. I talked about that at the start. You can, stress is a choice. And that stresses a lot of people out when you tell them that. Your situation is not stressful. It's your interpretation of it. I can be running through the Grand Canyon and hit the wall the way I did. Like, I've never gone from feeling so good to, holy cow, what just happened? And that's where my coping strategies kick in. Have I been here before? Do I have the tools necessary to get myself through it? And the answer was, hadn't quite been there the way, uh, the specific way the wheels were falling off. But I was pretty sure I could get through it. And so that is connected when you have control. It's a control. When you don't feel you have control, that's really depressing. And that's why I end every episode talking about control. Coping strategies is everything. Self-efficacy, believing you can get through something. And that's why when someone tries to drive me nuts or something happens, getting a workout in, I'm moving more. I know the alternative and the other coping strategies, not as positive. All right. And number four, I'm going to wrap it up with this. 
I love this. Did the show about this recently? The role of the environment as a potential moderator of the association between physical activity and depression should also be considered. For example, the use of green space is associated with a lower risk of depression. The biophilia hypothesis, people. Being outside makes us happy. Makes us happier. You can work out in your home gym. You can go to the gym. You go to the gym, you get the social interactions. You get the improved physical self-perception and body image. You've got the personal development of coping strategies. You might not have the role of the environment or the environment playing a role. You don't have to have all of these all the time. But I walk the dogs in the morning in the woods for this. To get the low-level activity, to clear my mind, to disconnect from you know, social media and electronics and to get that biofit to connect with nature. I know this sounds for even for me <laughs> a little out there, but it's not. I had like the craziest moment in the Grand Canyon. I had many, but one in particular, I stopped on a cliff about seven hours in maybe and experienced complete silence in a way I'd never experienced it before. It was uncomfortable for a short amount of time. It was so bizarre and so cool and it was connecting. And if you want to hear more about that, listen to the podcast I did on the biophilia hypothesis. All right. I could go on and on, but then you'll write and say, Tom, shorten it. So let me give you the takeaways again. In this study, relative small doses of physical activity were associated with substantially lower risk of depression. Read it again. Relatively small doses of physical activity, substantially lower risks of depression. Minutes matter. Stop saying just. Stop saying only. Something I only walked for an hour this morning or I just did 10 minutes of, you know, the bike. I hammer every person I know to stop saying that. And we have to all stop saying that. Who said, we didn't evolve to go to the gym for an hour, people. We evolved to move all day long. We evolved to connect with people. Our modern society is just horrific at, at our, for our health, physical and mental. All right? All right, so what are the possible limitations of this study? Got to talk about that. Uh, and I read uh, directly, it is still possible that the associations observed in the present analyses could overestimate the role of physical activity because of reverse causality. Really obvious, right? Depressed people move less. So X equals Y orders Y equal X. I think both are true. Like, this is where I would say that I'm going to throw common sense in. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm all for the scientific method. But of course, when you're depressed, you move less. So it's chicken and egg, which came first. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter in my opinion. I understand it matters when we're trying to measure these type of things in research. Depressed people move less. Depressed people need to move more. That's what we have to take away from this. And they say uh, to limit risk of bias from undiagnosed depression, they only included studies with at least three years of follow-up. That was the main reason that they excluded studies that didn't have at least three years of follow-up to try to limit that bias from undiagnosed depression. Perfect? No. And finally, as I've talked about with just about 
the vast majority of studies when it comes to diet and exercise, the limitation of these analyses is that it included studies that used self-reported measures of physical activity, which are subject to, yes, recall and social desirability biases. I'm going to tell you what I think you want to hear because it makes me look good. I'm going to not tell you the bad things I ate. I'm not going to tell you how little I exercise. I'm going to over-report it, just part of all these studies, and it will always be a limitation. All right? What's the final takeaway? It's under our control how much we move, and how much we move is wholly connected to our attitudes. And what we put into our mouths, those three things I say at the end of these podcasts, we control how much we move, what we put into our mouths and our attitudes. I could throw in, you know, the following line that they're all connected. Exercise is so much more than weight loss. Let me leave you with this. I'm debating if I should. I'm going to. I talk about the commercials and how I would love for this to be a part of it. Remember the Peloton commercial? Everyone was up in arms. Did a podcast on that and I had people like, weren't happy. And if you don't know the story, the Peloton commercial at the holidays where a woman was given a Peloton stationary bike by her husband. And the backlash was she's skinny. How dare the husband give her a bike as if people who aren't overweight don't need to exercise. I'm not going to go deep into this. And if you want to hear me really rant Listen to that episode, why the Peloton backlash was so wrong. And if you think that it was wrong or that it was right, the backlash was right and the commercial was wrong, you need to listen to more of these episodes. You can't tell the health of a person by looking at them. What is her blood pressure? What is her cholesterol? What is her stress? Like that is the most, there's so many Things I listed off in that episode, but let's just stick with the topic at hand. Depression, as powerful, if not more so, than pharmaceutical interventions. That's what many of the studies show, exercise. What are the downsides? What are the side effects? When you listen to the commercials, and I, and I know many of you are probably on medication for depression, and you, sh- you know, listen to your doctor, but over time, Many of those types of people, when doctors prescribe exercise and do it in the right way and you start to feel better about yourself and you start to do all those behaviors I just talked about outside, biophilia, getting around people, amazing things happen. Exercise is so much more than weight loss. We don't see that. We don't read that. We don't hear that. It's not on Instagram. Let's look at the crazy workout I'm doing. Look at the crazy outfit. Look at how much skin I'm showing. Look how great I look. How do you feel? Are you happy? I am. All right. What an amazing study. Again, if you want to look it up, just came out. Association between physical activity and risk of depression, a systematic review and meta-analysis, JAMA Psychiatry, April 2022. Thank you for listening. I love what I do. I love reading these studies. I love bringing them to you. Reinforces every single show. Reinforces how amazing exercise and eating healthy and being happy is and how they're all connected and how we're in control of all those things. If you want to reach out, Tom H. Fit is Instagram. Tom H. Fit is Twitter. You go to fitnessdisrupted.com, email me through the site. My recent book is The Micro Workout Plan. 
It's connected to everything I just talked about, and I talk about the cognitive benefits. It's not just workouts. It's the science. So you can grab that, too, if you're interested. And if you do have it, by the way, I haven't broken 100 reviews yet. That's my goal. I'm a goals-oriented person. If you have read it and enjoy it, would greatly appreciate an Amazon review. Thank you ahead of time. And remember, my goal is to help all of us, myself and you, live our best lives. That's it. That's it. I don't want to be biased because if, if my bias keeps me from achieving that goal for myself, what good is it? I am Tom Holland. This is Fitness Disrupted. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts